Pelican Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 617. I'm holding in my hand a dog-eared field guide. A survivor of overnight abandonment on the shores of the Charles River somewhere west of Boston. And of a dunking in the Herring River on Cape Cod. It's an early edition of the Golden Guide to the Birds of North America. And this copy proudly includes the personalized autograph of its lead author, Chandler Robbins, whom we salute and remember this morning. Chan Robbins passed away on Monday, March 20th at the age of 98 after serving the National Wildlife Service for six decades. And we received this remembrance of the great Chandler Robbins from our friend Ken Lavish down at the Patuxent National Wildlife Refuge in Laurel, Maryland, where they help raise whooping cranes and specialized pens for release into the wild. Ken says, The first time I met Chan was in 2006 after a heavy, wet snowstorm caught on the nets over a number of crane pens, and many birds got loose. A call went out to everyone at Patuxent to help replace the damaged nets. Chan, at 87 years young, was there climbing ladders and pulling nets into place. Wow. Wow, indeed, Ken. Among other achievements, Chan Robbins conceived of and created the North American Breeding Bird Survey, an annual bird count that's still held today. And he was among the first to document how the widely used chemical DDT was devastating bald eagles and other birds. His research on the topic was edited by Rachel Carson before she sparked the modern environmental movement with her book, Silent Spring. And as we described here on Talking Birds just a couple of weeks ago, while working on the Midway Atoll National Wildlife Refuge in the North Pacific in 1956, Chan placed a band on the leg of an albatross. He rediscovered that band on the same bird 45 years later. And this Laysan albatross, known around the world by the name Wisdom, is still flying and laying eggs today, likely the oldest known living wild bird. Chan Robbins worked at the Patuxent Wildlife Research Center for 63 years and returned as a volunteer with an emeritus title for another 10, often in a wheelchair, until last December. As Daryl Fears wrote in a Washington Post column this week, if the bald eagle is the national bird, some say Chandler Robbins was the national birder. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. What makes migrating birds keep flying after they've reached a rest stop? The answer may be ghrelin. That's right, ghrelin. G-H-R-E-L-I-N. It's known as a hunger hormone. We'll link you to the story that explains how it works. Parrots make each other laugh. At least Kia birds in New Zealand seem to do. We have the video for you on our Facebook page. And birds get revenge on Simon's cat. See our page for the Don't Miss animated feature. 
That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Don't forget, you can also find those stories on an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. This land is your land. And from California to the New York Islands, from the Redwood Forests to the Gulf Stream waters, Talking Birds ambassadors are spreading the word about our show and about birds and conservation. 102 ambassadors at last count in 35 states, along with three Canadian provinces and the great city of London so far. Thank you, thank you. That's London, England. Thank you, Talking Birds ambassadors. Now, kindly listen closely to hear if your state is among those represented by at least one Talking Birds ambassador. The states are, in somewhat random order, Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Texas, Arizona, Utah, California, Oregon, Alaska, Vermont, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Nebraska, Nevada, Washington, Wyoming, Idaho, Tennessee, and Kentucky. If you didn't hear your state listed there, we hope you'll consider representing it as a Talking Birds ambassador. Hand out some of our little info cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It is easy to do, no heavy lifting. It's easy to sign up for, too. Just click on the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option at TalkingBirds.com via the Contact button. And remember, no G in Talking. Here's a little preview of our Mystery Bird Contest, which is coming up a little bit later on in the show, so you can kind of get ready for it, get these clues ahead of time. Here's the sound of our Mystery Bird. There's a whole flock of them. Our Mystery Bird is a large wading bird. Here in the U.S., seen mostly on the southeast and gulf coasts, our bird has a long, down-curved, bright red bill long red legs, and an all-white body with black tips on the wings. It feeds on insects, fish, and frogs by probing along the shoreline and on grassy lawns. That's our mystery bird, just kind of a little uh, preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on the show. On to some news now about young birder opportunities and teen adventures in Georgia and Colorado, courtesy of our Charlotte Wesselick and her Charlotte's Web Log, direct from Alberta, Canada, sponsored by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors, llbean.com. Alberta Bound, Alberta Bound, it's good to be Alberta Bound. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning, Ray. Canada geese have started to arrive, and I noticed this week that American crows are back too. While the weather was looking quite spring-like, we got a big dump of snow this past Wednesday, which actually is the most snow we've had all winter. The Georgia Department of Natural Resources has just opened up registration for Camp Talon, or Teen Adventures Learning Ornithology and Nature. Camp Talon is based out of St. Simmons Island, with daily trips to state parks, wildlife management areas, and refuges along Georgia's coast, as well as presentations and identification challenges. There are two camp dates in June, and the early bird registration deadline is April 7th. Details and registration can be found at georgiawildlife.com slash camptalon. 
The Western Field Ornithologist is offering youth scholarships for the 42nd Annual WOF Conference in Pueblo, Colorado from August 16th to the 20th, 2017. The conference is a four-day event that includes scientific presentations, workshops, field trips, expert panels, and social activities. Find more information on how to apply at westernfieldornithologists.org. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out Charlotte's blog. You'll like it at prairiebirder.com. That's prairiebirder.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll get some advice on how to plant the right plants to bring birds to your backyard when we talk with National Audubon's Plants for Birds expert, Todd Winston. And I want to give a web address here in case you'd like to follow along as we visit their website because it's really great. You can put in your zip code and it will help you find um, the right plants to put in your yard. Check it out at audubon.org slash native plants, audubon.org slash native plants, uh, or just do a little search for that, Audubon native plants, and you can find it. Mike O'Connor will be with us from the Cape Cod Bird Watchers General Store with more good advice on feeding birds in your backyard. And up next, a bird with a craggy crest and a resounding rattle is today's featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. According to ancient Greek legend, when Alcyone's husband died in a shipwreck, Alcyone threw herself into the sea. The gods then transformed them both into halcyon birds. When Alcyone made her nest on the beach, waves threatened to destroy it. But Aeolus, ruler of the winds, made the waves be calm during seven days in each year so she could lay her eggs. These times when no storms occur became known as the halcyon days. And those halcyon birds are known to us now as kingfishers. The one we just heard is today's featured feathered friend, the belted kingfisher, which can be seen year-round pretty much all over the United States and in summer across Canada and Alaska. The belted kingfisher looks something like a blue jay that's been through strength training with a more muscular physique but similar coloration and a blue jay-like crest. The female belted kingfisher is more colorful than the male. In addition to the wide blue band across the upper chest that both display, the female also has a chestnut-colored band below. Kingfishers live near streams and rivers, ponds and lakes, where they hover or perch and dive to feed on fish and crayfish, as well as amphibians and reptiles and crustaceans. Belted kingfishers nest in burrows, with the male and female taking turns with the excavation and spending up to three weeks to finish digging a burrow that's typically three to six feet deep. Populations of belted kingfishers are stable, and they seem relatively immune to environmental contaminants, maybe because the small size of their prey means they accumulate only low levels of toxins. And they like to wander. They've been spotted in the Galapagos Islands, in Hawaii, 
the British Isles, the Azores, Iceland, Greenland, and the Netherlands. Kingfishers have been around for a while, with one Florida fossil record in the genus going back two million years. And here's hoping they'll keep enjoying their halcyon days for a long time to come. The Belted Kingfisher, Megasoryli alcyon. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Thanks again for being with us for our show number 617. Todd Winston is the manager at National Audubon's Plants for Birds program designed to provide the info and resources by which we can all find and plant the flowers and trees and bushes that will bring birds to our backyard. And he is with us uh, right now, or at least he was a moment ago. I think we might have lost him off the phone there. Well, that gives me a minute to tell you to follow our our, uh, our conversation here, if you like, by joining us and visiting this website it's audubon.org slash native plants, or just do a little search for that. Um, Audubon is one of those tricky words spelling-wise, so it's A-U-D-U-B-O-N, and I believe Todd is with us now. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Give us an overview, Todd, quickly, if you would, about the Plants for Birds program. Great. So uh, Audubon's Plants for Birds program is basically based on the idea that anybody, anywhere, can help have an impact uh, to help birds uh, in the United States uh, by planting native plants right where they live to help the birds that breed where they live and migrate through uh, and stop, stop by to, for food and shelter um, in the places where people live. So you're helping the birds, but you're helping yourself, too, because you get to see them. Indeed, right. You know, it's, it's shown that uh, properties with native plants um, actually attract a lot more uh, native birds than do properties without native plants. So, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, hoping people will get on board to, you know, create an oasis uh, where they live for native birds. Well, we have this, uh, or you have this marvelous uh, website here, audubon.org slash native plants. And um, all you have to do here is enter your, your um, email address and hit the search button here and it takes you this kind of to a, to a wonderland of uh, results of uh, Audubon uh, places nearby and a whole list of plants and flowers that are specific to your area. I just kind of put in uh, a random um, a zip code here. It's actually for Lansing, Michigan, but um, it gives you all these places here. The Allegheny Service Berry and the alternate leaf dogwood are among the plants. And uh, if you click on local resources... It takes you to Michigan Audubon and Audubon Great Lakes, and you can do this pretty much anywhere in the country, right? Right. Uh, anywhere you live, you can enter your zip code um, at audubon.org slash native plants, and um, you'll get a list of, uh, the, you'll see there's a best results tab that gives you the plants that uh, the Audubon Network recommends as good resources for birds, and those are also plants that are generally available at native plant retailers. Um, and you can uh, search those results in lots of different ways. You can look for particular kinds of plants that that provide, say, uh, you can look, say, for, you know, uh, annuals and perennials and vines that uh, attract hummingbirds, for example. And then uh, you can select those plants and um, get a, a customized list that will be emailed to you. And uh, you can look on the local resources tab and get connected, as you mentioned, to your local Audubon, where where folks have native plant programming and can advise you on how to improve your yard for birds. And also get connected to local native plant 
uh, retailers and uh, local native plant societies. There, there are lots of folks um, kind of fighting the good fight for birds and for native plants in this country. So uh, we're working to connect all those people and, and, um, and help people learn more about this. Very cool. Well, having native plants, uh, Todd, in your yard has, has importance way beyond tradition, right? There's some real tangible reasons for having native plants. Right, you know, and, and the understanding of that has really been growing over the past few years. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I grew up um, in southeast Pennsylvania um, in country-turned suburbs, and I think a lot of the listeners, you're, you're probably familiar with the suburban landscapes, lots of lawn and lots of plants that, if you look closely, are not native to, the, to uh, North America. These are plants from Asia and from Europe that are very pretty. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up as a, a bird and, and plant-crazy uh, young teenager pouring over garden catalogs, and I remember all the pest-free labels. You know, we, we, we buy plants because we, we don't want... Who wants pests, right? But we've come to understand that pest-free means bug-free. And for birds, that really creates a very sterile environment. Birds, uh, 96% of land birds feed insects to their young. And without bugs, then, uh, we don't have birds. Birds need bugs to feed their young. Um, you know, a nest full of chickadees, <clears throat> by the time they fledge, can eat up to 9,000 caterpillars. That's a lot of caterpillars. And, uh, you know, native oak trees uh, host uh, over 550 types of uh, moth and butterfly caterpillars, while uh, non-alien plants such as the ginkgo tree, which is a very commonly planted uh, tree, for example, here in New York City where I live, uh, host only five kinds of caterpillars. So more than 500 compared to five, that's a huge difference for birds. And by planting native plants that are uh, hosts for caterpillars and moths and butterflies, that's important in lots of ways for the entire ecosystem, for pollinators, for birds, uh, that those herbivores, those insect herbivores, um, are the main way that the energy from the sun that plants transform into sugar is, is spread out to the entire ecosystem, the entire food web. So by planting native plants, we're really um, helping to uh, repair the fabric of the suburban and urban environment for birds and wildlife. And we can all do that just by putting some plants in the ground and, and waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well said. Todd Winston is the manager of National Audubon's Plants for Birds program designed to provide the info and resources by which we can all find and plant the flowers and trees and bushes that will bring birds to our backyards. Really a win-win for everybody. Audubon.org slash native plants. Audubon.org slash native plants is that really amazing website. Great stuff, Todd, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. If you've listened to Talking Birds over the past several weeks, you may have heard us talking about our upcoming trip to the Galapagos Islands. And guess what? The guest list is now almost full. So if you'd like to join us, and we hope you will, the time to sign up is now. We'll travel with our friends from Sunrise Birding, one of the world's finest small group touring companies. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. 
Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. All of Audubon Park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act. And Audubon Park products are easy to find at your supermarket, lawn and garden store, farm and feed market, and online retailers. For more information, visit AudubonPark.com. We're a notoriously bad clock managers around here, so we're getting late. Please call us as soon as you can if you'd like to enter our mystery bird contest. The number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Here's our mystery bird. A large wading bird here in the U.S. seen mostly in the southeast and along the Gulf Coast. It has a long, down-curved, bright red bill, long red legs, and an all-white body with black tips on the wings. It feeds on insects, fish, and frogs by probing along the shoreline and on grassy lawns. What is it? Take a guess if you don't know. A no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner of the beautiful prize, a Droll Yankees double suet feeder. Uh, perfect for, for offering suet or fruit to the birds in your backyard. And it has a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. That's our prize. You heard the clue and the sound of the bird. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll find out more about feeding birds in your backyard with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. The North American Butterfly Association is working to increase public enjoyment and conservation of butterflies. The 100-acre National Butterfly Center in Mission, Texas, is home to native plant gardens with more than 200 species of butterflies. The climate makes visiting year-round a spectacular experience, and the center serves to educate the public as well as provide a research laboratory. NABA chapters around the country work on projects that benefit butterflies, hold nature walks, collect data, study ecology, and bring the natural world into the classroom. If we can save butterflies, we can save ourselves. Means that butterflies show us what's happening in our environment as we work to save these vital pollinators. NABA's Butterfly Garden and Habitat Program can help you create a paradise for butterflies while encouraging habitat restoration no matter the size of your area. Show your commitment to increasing butterfly populations by visiting naba.org. Heading down to Cape Cod, Orleans, Cape Cod to be specific, and to really pinpoint it, it's the Bird Watchers General Store where Mike O'Connor holds forth. And good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning to you, Ray. Hey, last week we talked about goldfinches and that amazing color change that the males make into spring with that bright black and yellow color. Goldfinches are, as other finches, kind of big thistle or niger seed feeders, right? But uh, you have some advice for us very specifically about that kind of seed. Yeah, and, and I think this might apply to a lot of places, but specifically here on the Cape where a lot of my customers um, go away, like in the fall, and they, they go down south and get away from the winter, the cowards. But then, <laughs> then they come back in the spring, which is now, and they mm-hmm. stop putting out their feeders, and right away they come in and complain that the goldfinches aren't coming back to their feeders, and especially the Niger or thistle feeders, which is kind of one and the same, and mostly because... Niger or thistle seed has a very short shelf life because it's grown overseas, particularly in, in Ethiopia. They don't want the seeds that it might be mixed in with the thistle to sprout in this country and turn into a vase of plants. So they sterilize it when it comes in. They heat treat it, which kind of dries out the other seeds so they don't sprout, but it also dries out the, the thistle a little bit. 
so after a few months, it's really not usable for the birds. So it's like it, people come in and they start complaining, and I say, well, that's because your seed is old, and they look perplexed. And I say, well, it if looks you fine. let milk in the refrigerator last fall, would you drink it? No. Well, the seed also has a shelf life, and it'll spoil. Well, it'll dry out. So if you're having trouble getting goldfinches, don't go to the seed that you have and say, well, I kept it in a fresh container. That's probably no good. You have to go out and get some fresh. Don't buy a lot because in case that's not the problem. But go to a place that sells a fair amount. Uh, I don't want to dump it on hardware stores, but hardware stores typically don't move a lot of bird seeds. So this seed sits on the shelf a lot. Go to some birding store or nature center where they move a lot of seed and get a small amount and fill your feet to clean your feeder out. And, and fill it, and your goldfinches should return. And then when you fill the feeder the next time, don't top it off. Rotate that seed mm-hmm. out. And keep keep putting fresh seed on the bottom, and don't put the fresh seed on top of the old seed, or it will mm-hmm. get moldy and wet on you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really the important thing with thistle seed, is to, is to keep it fresh. Buy small amounts. Don't buy a bunch that's on sale, because it's probably not going to last so this probably doesn't apply quite the same way to sunflower seed, which is, I think, grown domestically, right? But other kinds of seeds probably come from elsewhere as well. Yeah, most, most of the other seeds come uh, 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 domestic. So sunflowers is, is not a problem at all. As a matter of fact, the sunflower that we use in the summer was harvested last fall. But it's a, a thicker, oil, oily seed, and it has a much longer shelf life. Mm. The downside of sunflower seeds and other seeds, if you buy a lot in the summertime, uh, meal moths, the little webby miller moths, hatch out, so you got to kind of be careful of that when it's warm. When it's cold, it's not so much of an issue. All right. There How about that exciting feed news, huh? That right? is exciting, and top-quality information there. Mike, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. That's Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, with more good backyard birding advice. Meanwhile, back here to the Mystery Bird Contest, here's a bird that this could be in your yard down south out on the lawn, but uh, not at your feeder, uh-huh. probably. Which is maybe a good thing. A large wading bird with a long down curve, bright red bill, long red legs, and an all-white body with black tips on the wings. What would that be? 781-837-4900. The beautiful Droll Yankees double suet feeder, good for suet or fruit, is our prize. 781-837-4900. Margaret is in Kingston, Massachusetts. Good morning, Margaret. Thank you. And uh, good morning. And good morning. I I have jumped the gun a little bit because when I've called before, I can't get through. Oh, so this sorry. is the first time I've actually gotten through. But I'm making a guess mm-hmm. that we're talking about an American white ibis. An American white ibis would be your guess, and I think it's a pretty pretty darn good guess there, Margaret. You're kidding. Yeah. Yes, now, you're being modest that you call that a guess, I'm, I'm thinking. Well, it is. And this is, it's funny because I've been trying to do this contest for years. And I never, you know, it's, I always wait until I get enough hints so that I know uh, that I'm calling about the right bird and then I can't get through. Well, you know what happens very often? I'm glad you mentioned that because we, we, we try to encourage folks to call in uh, as early as possible. That's why we're doing this kind of preview of our mystery bird contest because uh, p- people wait for a long time and then you kind of you kind of miss out. We run out of time uh, at the end of the show. As we said, we're, we're terrible clock managers around here. So we tend to <laughs> we tend to run out of time and and kind of late callers just kind of you know work work uh, against us in that in that regard. But but I'm I'm glad that you uh, I'm glad glad you got through Margaret this time. 
Yeah, me and, too. I and, never expected to. <laughs> and not only got through, but got the right answer and the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll sell you that. Send you that uh, beautiful Droll Yankees um, uh, suet feeder, double suet feeder. So you can oh, put sweet. suet or fruit in there. And that lifetime warranty against squirrel damage is not a bad thing. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very good. Thank All right. you. My, my front porch will love it. <laughs> it will. Okay. Let us know how it works out if you get a chance. I will. All right. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. Margaret there in Kingston, Massachusetts, correctly identifying the white ibis or the American white ibis, which is the mascot of a university down in Florida. Anybody know what it is? It's the U. Yeah. University of Miami. Coral Gables. Florida, which would not be a bad place to be right about now because we have still pretty chilly weather up here in the Northeast. Well, that's about it for our show today. Executive producer Mark Duffield, associate producer Debbie Bleacher, our engineer Jesse Wilkins. Next week, are you ready to learn more about birds? If so, be sure to be with us when the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Maya Thompson takes us beyond our backyards with the new Springfield ornithology course. It's a wonderful way to learn about birds, and you can do it at your own pace. That's always a a good thing. We'll learn all about it uh, next week here on Talking Birds, the Springfield Ornithology course from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, where they know probably about as much about birds as anybody on the planet. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.